This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to episode 195. So it's definitely inspired by uh, pieces that have real grass cloth and also just um, the, the painting technique itself. It's called the Strier technique. That was done on walls, I think, in like the 80s. In our Uncovering Art segment, Courtney Weisel with Steel Birch Studios shares how she paints her grass cloth technique on her furniture, and we discuss one of her latest achievements, her Sears and Roebuck credenza. Kelly with Patina Design shares a refinishing tip on how to get rid of those stinky smells so often found on old furniture. This week's question of the week, where do you sell most of your pieces, is answered by our furniture refinishing friends Rachel with Brick and Boho, Megan with Tipsy Table Designs, Kathy with What KC Creates, Gina with Sanded Edges Furniture, and Hillary with Altered Pine. Linda with Workshop Studio gives accolades to Ebony with Ebony Baston. On the beginner's bucket, Kristen with Shacto and Tears answers this week's question, how do experienced furniture refinishers know when to not touch a finish? Stay with us, friends. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. Edgar Degas, the famous French Impressionist artist, once said, Art is not what you see, but what you make others see. Every day, thousands of furniture finishers are doing just that with their work, and every day we see unique, beautiful pieces of art that have stretched the limit of creativity, bringing art to new levels of inspiration. Uncovering these unique pieces is what this segment is all about. We are excited to feature another episode of Uncovering Art. These new segments will give us all the opportunity to explore a specific piece, what makes it unique, and how the artists achieved the design. Uncovering the details, uncovering the art. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Courtney. Hey. Listen, your grass cloth technique is turning <laughs> heads. And not surprisingly, on your IG feed, you commented that painting grass cloth is your favorite thing to do. How cool. <laughs> it sure is. I, it's, uh, I don't know. I love doing it. I love the end results. And, hey, the pieces sell really quick. So it's a uh, win-win. That's, nice. <laughs> that's kind of the end goal there, isn't it? Yeah, in the end. <laughs> Well, see, I know most are familiar with grass cloth wallpaper, and then there are some who have painted grass cloth on walls. What made you decide to try it on furniture? Well, um, I love, I'm always looking at, you know, furniture from different department stores and just ideas everywhere. And I mean, I just love texture. Um, It's one of the things I think that really stands out on furniture when you're able to accentuate or just add character to a piece. And uh, you know, Serena and Lily have famous like drift away, drift away pieces that are wrapped in grass cloth. And I've seen some at like high end boutiques. Um, and I just have always thought like that look is so classic and timeless and really, really beautiful. And I was like, you know what? And this is actually um, I had a break, like not working on furniture when I was pregnant. So when I got back to painting, I was like, I really want to. I don't know. I was kind of in a hump, but I was like, I really want to try this technique that I've seen people do on walls and, and try it on furniture because I love the way grass cloth looks on furniture and, you know, maybe I can imitate it. And I literally had no idea if it was like the ugliest thing I had ever done. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like even in the middle of it, I was like, is this just like absolutely hideous or is this awesome? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just a really, it was, I don't know. I I don't think I'd seen it prior. Um, 
on a piece like painted the way I was doing. And it was just, it was unfamiliar. And it was literally until it was done. I was like, oh, this is really, really cool. And it was actually pretty easy. So it's definitely inspired by uh, pieces that have real grass cloth. And also just um, the the painting technique itself, it's called the Strier technique. Mm -hmm. That was done on walls, I think in like the 80s. Um, I think Ralph Lauren had a a whole line of paint that was mm. dedicated to making your walls look like grass cloth. And it was mm. really popular back then. And, you know, I just was like, Hey, like we can do this on furniture and it's really, really, it's great. I love well, it. Well, we're really glad that uh, when you were frustrated halfway through that you didn't stop and that you were steadfast <laughs> and you finished. Because oh, wow. Yeah. Many. Yeah. Well, so one particular piece that we want to uncover today is your Sears and Robot credenza that you posted in September. Why don't you tell us about this yeah. piece and then the process? Uh, we'll be able to kind of hear you unfold what you go through when you do the grass cloth technique on furniture. Yeah. Um, so as many refinishers know, it's like pretty hard to find good pieces that are at a good price on marketplace or around these days, at least for me in my area. But um, this piece was on marketplace. It was uh, already painted, but it was under $200. And I, I mean, I knew once I saw it that it was a solid wood, really, really great piece. It was vintage. Um, and I just had the vision that it would look good with the grass cloth technique. Um, so my process was basically, uh, stripping most of the paint off. There were some areas where the paint adhered really well and it would just be more work to remove it, you know, mm-hmm. as long as it's, you know, if the paints are compatible and, you know, th- that whole thing is a whole nother topic. But <laughs> anyways, I stripped <laughs> most of the, I stripped most of the paint and, um, my process, which I talk about in a lot of videos that I share on my page, um, is basically priming the piece completely with bin shellac primer and getting that coat really, really smooth. And then, um, I take uh, paint and glaze mix. Um, I do it about like 50% glaze, 50% paint, and I will do, um, one coat in sections over, um, the piece and then drag a broom through it and I do vertical and then I do horizontal and um, I've kind of changed my technique a little bit. I used to just do it all in one swoop vertical and then horizontal dragging the broom through. But Mm -hmm. um, I found that it gives a little bit more definition. If I just do vertical lines, let that dry and then I'll go over it again with another coat of paint and glaze and then go horizontal. So you get, you know, the, the very defined vertical and horizontal, uh, streaks through the paint and glaze and it it looks really cool but you can do either one i mean it's kind of it also depends on the time you have because it does take a little um extra to you know wait between coats to do just one section of the piece Mm -hmm. anyways and the color i decided to go um, more neutral with this one uh because sometimes i mean i do love blues and greens and um even blacks just kind of it, it it all looks really good, honestly, but um, the neutral colors give it more of a actual grass cloth look. Mm-hmm. This piece was really, really popular. I mean, it sold pretty quickly and uh, I don't know, it turned out really pretty. And uh, especially with the gold scallop hardware I added, it just uh, gave it just a really modern, 
classy look that's also timeless. So, oh gosh, for sure. Now, help us understand, especially maybe for people who've never done this technique, or maybe people that are new to furniture finishing, why the mix of paint and the glaze? Yeah, well, the glaze, and I actually use Floetrol. Um, but you can use any glazing medium, but the glaze extends the drying time of the paint. So when you want to, you know, make marks through the paint, paint typically dries quickly. So you're, if you are dragging, you know, the broom through paint that's already dry, it's not going to create, you know, the lines from the from the bristles. So if you put the glaze in, you know, the bristles actually kind of move mm -hmm. um, the paint and the glaze around a little bit and you have a little bit of extension um, of your time frame that you can work and make the, the pattern into the paint. Mm -hmm. Does the glaze also add a little bit of texture to the paint so that it's a little more dimensional? Yeah, I would say it adds a little bit of volume. Um, it does, it gives it, a, it also does lighten the paint just a tiny bit. It gives it mm -hmm. a little bit of a translucent look, but, but not significant. And that's kind of why I started doing two coats, actually, because I wanted it to be a little darker um, than some other pieces I had done. But either Either way, you know, it, it, the end result works really well. And the glaze is just a great tool to have on hand really with anything. You know, it definitely adds a little bit of texture, I would say. So, uh, Courtney, when I'm looking at this piece and I see the grass cloth, and uh, so I'm kind of envisioning you going through dragging the broom uh, across the piece. But what's happening is it, it looks like it's uncovering something beneath. And I know you mentioned you put down a primer is what we're seeing underneath, is that just the mixture of the paint or is that, uh, did you put down a, a base coat on top of the primer so that when you drag it, that shows through as well? It's a really great question. So um, the primer is actually what you see coming through, um, the solid color that I use. And so it's, you know, all those little lines are literally, it's just yeah. separating from the primer coat, which is why I do recommend doing a, a really full covered uh, primer coat and also that it you know is very smooth and um, and I have done you know other lighter colors and I've used white paint but I've just found that uh, bin shellac primer it gets really smooth and it gets really soft I mean if if I painted two coats of bin shellac primer and sanded it smooth it's going to look like a solid white piece you know so I just mm -hmm. make sure to um, cover everything and sand really well and so when I do the paint and the glaze over top and, you know, all the marks are made through the through the paint, that that white is going to show through really crisp. And you can play around with colors and you can do white paint as well. Um, I've just found the contrast and the ease of just using primer has been something that mm -hmm. I've uh, preferred. Did you play around like with a on a board uh, to, with the colors first before you start your piece or do you just do it all on the piece? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I have uh, several boards <laughs> around my garage that I've just like played around with colors and played around with the opposite. You know, I've tried to do dark with lighter over top. And I mean, I think this is something you can really experiment with and find something that you like the look of. I just um, I think with the things I've experimented with, I've just found that white and a darker color that's good with contrast uh, over top works the best and looks the best, but you can really do whatever you want. It's really fun. Yeah, you can get as creative as you exactly. want. It sounds, uh, sounds like a lot of yeah. fun. 
Now, when you are dragging your broom, how does that work for uh, places on the piece that have dimension? Does it just drag over that? Does that matter? Is there a different direction you have to go to kind of accommodate like the trim around your drawers? So I I do a lot of taping. Um, I try to be really meticulous with just like taping off and really envisioning how fabric would wrap around a piece if it were fabric, you know? And so I try to do like the angles, you know, if you're wrapping a present, you know, I'll tape, uh, Mm -hmm. I'll put painter's tape on one edge and paint uh, the side of the trim, you know, do the horizontal and vertical lines. And sometimes I use a smaller handheld brush um, that gets mm-hmm. you know, the bristles are just shorter and finer, um, and I'm able to make the same uh, look on smaller parts of the piece. And once that's dry, I'll tape over that and then do the opposite side so they kind of meet and it looks like a fold in fabric. And you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of you gotta get kind of creative with it. That's why typically I would say that pieces with more straight lines and edges are easier to do, especially if you're just beginning this um finish but you know you can you can accommodate more detailed pieces too i think if you just get a smaller uh handheld brush like it what what is it it's like they come in three packs at home depot it's like there's metal and then there's plastic ones so i use the plastic or nylon you know i love what you said about making sure that as you're doing this you're thinking about if this were wrapped in fabric Mm -hmm. That's got to be a huge part of making sure you really um, succeed in this, because if you're just kind of off in la-la land <laughs> thinking about something else as you're doing it, this this particular technique, you really need to think about visualizing your mind, uh, like you said, how that fabric would wrap around whatever part of the piece that you're painting. Yeah, and I think those details like really make a difference of just the piece looking a little bit more authentic, you know? Uh, yeah. No, no, it's not really fabric, but if it were, <laughs> you know, it's like, it looks like, it looks like the real thing. And it's, it's just really visually beautiful. And I would say the drying time is something that definitely takes a little bit of time to get used to. You have to work pretty quickly. So a bigger section, like the top, I've redone probably 30 tops, like doing this because, you know, you start mm-hmm. dragging it. And if you go a little crooked, and parts of it dry and others didn't, it can kind of look uneven. So it does take a little bit of work kind of getting used to like the, how long it takes for the paint and glaze to dry before you can make all the marks. And so I'd recommend probably if you're just starting out to do a smaller piece, just to play Mm -hmm. around a little bit and it's okay if you mess it up. I get a lot of messages all the time, which is like, it just looks terrible or I don't know how you do it. And it's just like, it's okay. You know, like it's, If it doesn't turn out how you want, and that's why it's good to do this in sections too, you know, so you get the hang Mm -hmm. of it as you go. But if a a section doesn't turn out um, looking like the rest or like you want, I, you know, I either sand it off or if it's uh, adhering to the piece still, um, you can prime over that just with the Mm Benchelect primer and do, you know, do the same thing over again. Yeah, well, that was going to be one of my questions is, is the process forgiving? And I guess I'm, what I'm thinking about forgiving as well as I'm thinking about as you're dragging the broom across, if you, let's say you're not, you don't have a steady hand and you're, and you've got a lot <laughs> of like, uh, you know, uh, what, when they're doing an EKG and the, the, the heart <laughs> <Yeah>. rate <laughs> you know, shapes, um, you, you can 
can you just pick back up and, and go over it again? Yeah. I mean, so as long as the paint and the glaze is wet, um, you can go back over and it will create new lines. And if the first ones were crooked, you know, you'll, if you make more straight lines over top, eventually, you know, it all will straighten out. So, you know, I just always say go slow and steady, try to be, you know, go as straight as possible, but it really it is forgiving while it's wet. So it's, and even mm -hmm. when it dries again, it's like, if you step back and you're like, Oh, that looks like crap, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, <laughs> it's all right. You can do it over. And it's, I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've found it to just be, it's like a little stressful, but it's also really, it's just really, really cool. Once it all starts coming together. Yeah. It's so rewarding. Yeah. I'm sure when you go through something like that, but I think it's important to note, and uh, as you said, it is a little stressful, but not to get too stressed oh, yeah. out about it because that will affect your, your yeah. the creative flow. And, and also like it, if you're doing it in sections, like there's no, you can, it's easy to get like super nitpicky right off the bat. Like, oh my gosh, how, what is this? You know, like, trust me, I've been there, mm -hmm. you know, but just like keep going. And like, once you have like a big portion of the piece done or you're able to like step back and, and look, you know, like, oh, this actually does like all flow together somehow, you know, it, all the sections do end up coming together. And if you need to redo a part, like that's an easy fix. Now, you um, you talked about painting in its sections. When it comes to, like, the drawers, do you pull the drawers out and do them all separate, or do you keep the drawers in in the uh, the piece itself? Um, I typically pull them out, and I'll do the drawers first, and I'll, you know, while, while one part of the drawer is drying, I'll do maybe the side of the dresser. And, you know, it's kind of, it's a big uh, operation, per se. <laughs> you know, like, there's all these... Yeah uh sides that are drying and ones that i have ready to go ones that need a second coat so it's kind of i take it all apart typically just to make yeah. it all come together anything different for top coating uh, a piece like this um no i would say i try to use like more enamel uh, kitchen cabinet kind of paints if i can um, these days so those don't need a top coat if it already it doesn't need one i mean but mm -hmm. i have been top coating it if it's just like an acrylic based i will just do it okay. i will do a top coat over it but nothing it i would just say it's basically like whatever the paint suggests that you do you just continue to do that and you mentioned earlier that um uh, or i think actually you mentioned this you talked about the hardware and how the hardware really pulled everything yeah. together uh, and you, I saw that, uh, I think it was on your IG account that, that it was a challenge picking the hardware. Why, why so? Oh, that one was, I forgot about that. Well, the, the, the neutral color, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for bringing it up. I totally forgot about that nightmare. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, well, I'm glad you're able to bury it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, that neutral color, it, it's so, so pretty, but the wrong shade of gold really makes made it look dull and i could not mm. i i ordered certain oh and also i didn't fill the holes because i was planning on using whatever the size was i think it was like five and a half like size uh handles so i was just uh -huh. i was trying to find the right color gold handles that would like work in that size and it was just i don't know it, i ordered probably four different sets of things on amazon and like kept pushing back like my day for staging because i just didn't have those hardware. and i was like you know what i know the, uh, i love these little drops what are they grinkle leaves I, like i love those 
And that gold looks really good with this color. And I'm just going to suck it up and repaint the front of the drawers and fill the holes and do go that way. And I'm glad I did. It just took me a little extra time and Amazon returns <laughs> to get there. <laughs> I, it's funny because it's, uh, I, I can't imagine um, any other type of hardware on this piece right? because the <laughs> hardware just, yeah, it just seals it so nicely. Yeah, well, thank you. So, <laughs> so this piece is sold, obviously, right? Yeah. Um, so I just recently actually started shipping and a lot of my pieces have been going. So I think this one is going to, where is it going? Oh, Boston. Yeah. This, this girl really? has, yeah, this girl has, um, was asking if I shipped like a long time ago, she asked. And finally I finished this piece and I was shipping and she wrote me and she's like, this is exactly what we want. So it worked out, but <laughs> I was able to get something set up and it's actually right now on the way to her. So I feel very oh, fortunate, cool. very, very fortunate. Now, did she see this piece on Instagram or do you, cause you have an Etsy account, right? I don't. I just really sell from Instagram and a lot of times my pieces, mostly my pieces sell from my sneak peeks and that people see what I'm working on and uh-huh. kind of, hand- I never thought it would be the case because I just didn't think I'd be shipping and I didn't think I'd have just all of my business success straight off of Instagram, but it's turned out this way and I feel extremely fortunate. So yes, my, my Instagram followers are also my customers. So I feel uh-huh. I'm very blessed. Yeah, it's worth investing. I mean, that's that's a great example of how important it is to grow your Instagram account, especially if you are going to ship. And now that you're shipping, it, it was it as difficult as you thought it would be? Um, no. Uh, yeah, I had so much like anxiety about it, but I found one person that I'm using, and I'm keeping it simple for myself and yeah. for other people. And you know, whatever he quotes me for prices. And when he says he can bring it, that's what I go with. And he's been great. And no, I mean, ultimately it's been pretty easy. So that's nice. That's really good to hear. Yeah. Well, Courtney, thanks for sharing the details behind this beautiful piece. I mean, it is just, uh, it's quite stunning. Oh, thank you so much. I I really love this piece as well and appreciate uh, your support and the kind things you had to say about it. Absolutely. Well, you can find Courtney on Instagram at Still Birch Studios. We're going to take a quick break to hear from a friend of our sponsor. Hi, this is Anne Michelle with Amini Design Ashburn, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. I love Zebra paintbrushes. They have a specific brush for every type of project you're doing, whether it's walls, furniture, detail work, or flat surfaces, Zebra has you covered. My favorite Zebra paintbrush has to be the Palm Pro. I love the size of the handle, and I love the ease in which it lets you get into areas you might not otherwise be able to reach with a long-handled brush. Whenever I use my Zebra Palm Pro, I am always amazed at the perfect amount of paint that it picks up and puts down on the surface. There's no drips. There's no brush strokes. I love my Zebra brushes. Thank you so much, Anne Michelle, for sharing about your experience with zebra paintbrushes. Today's refinishing tip comes from Kelly with Patina Design. Hey guys, it's Kelly from Patina Design. Let's talk about smelly pieces. I'm sure we've all picked up a piece and then realized how musty and old they smell. Or maybe you got a piece from a previous smoker or a house full of pets. I've experienced all of these, and furniture can really hold on to these odors for a long time. 
I wanted to give you my tips for getting smells out of furniture and not just masking them. First and most importantly, sand your piece. Sanding every surface to remove that outer layer is the best thing you can do. This includes the inside, the drawer tracks, the inside of the drawers, the back, the bottom, everything. If you can reach it, give it a light sand. Now that you've sanded, go ahead and clean your piece as you normally would. The second thing that I do for super smelly pieces is dilute some regular white vinegar with water in a spray bottle and generously spray the entire piece. Again, I do this on every single surface for the best results um, inside and outside the piece. That vinegar is going to really neutralize odors and not just mask them. Once I spray the whole piece, I'll leave it outside and let it air dry. My last tip, if you're still noticing odor, is to apply one to two coats of shellac over the entire piece. Shellac is a natural resin that is excellent at sealing in any leftover odors. A shellac-based primer will work for this too, but I prefer using the straight Zinsser Clear Shellac just because it's more cost-effective. You can brush it on from the can or you can get the spray form and spray your piece down inside and out before you prime and paint as usual. These are the major steps I take when I notice odors on my pieces, and this has always done the job for me. If you give it a try, feel free to message me and let me know how it goes. Again, my name is Kelly. You can find me on Instagram at Patina Design. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Kelly. There's nothing worse than refinishing a piece into a beauty, but then realizing that the stinky smell it came with still lingers. These are great solutions. Today's question of the week is where do you sell most of your pieces? As some of you have experienced a slight downturn in your sales with the economy, we thought it would be advantageous for you to hear where your friends are selling their pieces. I'm Rachel. I'm the owner and curator behind Brick and Boho on Instagram and Facebook. I sell most of my pieces on Marketplace or buy sell trade groups in my local area. I also have had success with customers referring me to other people and in return getting new customers. Hi, I'm Megan with Tipsy Table Designs. My Instagram handle is tipsy underscore table designs. I'd say at the moment I'm selling the most through my website, tipsytabledesigns.com and Facebook Marketplace. My name is Kathy Curtin and my Instagram account is what Casey creates. I sell most of my pieces on Facebook Marketplace and sometimes from my Facebook business page. My name is Gina. My Instagram page is sanded edges furniture underscore, and I sell most of my pieces through my Etsy page. My name is Hillary Seltzer, owner and artist of Alter Pine, and I sell most of my furniture by advertising each piece on Facebook and Instagram, where I then direct them to my website to purchase the piece. Thankfully, most of my items sell quickly or they're commission pieces, which prevents me from having to put them in a consignment store. Thanks, Rachel, Megan, Kathy, Gina, and Hillary for sharing where you sell your pieces. If you have a question you'd like asked among your refinishing peers, send me an email at lane at enjoyzebra.com. If we answer your question on the podcast, you'll receive a free zebra paintbrush. It's time for the Beginner's Bucket, a new segment this season that gives new refinishers an opportunity to ask questions from their more experienced refinishing friends. If you have a question that you would like answered, just send me an email at laneball at enjoyzebra.com and we'll ask an experienced refinisher and play the answer here on the podcast. 
This week's question comes from a friend of the podcast, Mary Beth with San Jose Furniture Flip, and she has a great question. How do experienced furniture refinishers know when to not touch a finish? I have heard that on some pieces, the antique finish is an important part of the value of the piece. Kristen with Shecto Interiors answers her question. That's a great question, Mary Beth. There is a difference between vintage pieces and antique pieces. Usually an antique piece is considered to be over 100 years old. A vintage piece is usually considered to be over 20 years old. The value of the antiques, I believe, depends on the antiques market. Some styles of furniture were very popular and worth money in different decades. Right now, the mid-century modern pieces are hot and people prefer the original finish on them. Personally, if I find a unique piece with a nice wood grain and the finish is in excellent condition, I prefer not to paint it. But most of the pieces that I do paint are vintage and needing repair or they are mass-produced pieces that aren't considered antiques or valuable. I typically take note of any maker's marks and the quality of the wood and the quality of the finish. And that's how I would decide whether to paint or not. I hope this answers your question. Thanks, Kristen, for providing guidance on this important question. Accolades is defined as an acknowledgement of merit. Welcome to one of our newer podcast segments called, well, Accolades. We wanted to give refinishers the opportunity to give accolades to their fellow refinishers that they admire for their extraordinary refinishing skills and hard work. This week's accolades are given by Linda with the Workshop Studio. Good morning all. Hi, I'm Linda from the Workshop Studio located in Brisbane, Australia. I'd like to give accolades to Ebony Baston, a furniture refinisher based near to me on the Gold Coast in Australia. Ebony has been refinishing and refurbishing furniture for a couple of years and only started recently documenting her work via social platforms. When I met Ebony, she had about 2,000 followers and now it's up to 130,000 and soaring daily. What I love about Ebony's work is that she manages to take outdated 90s pieces and transform them into a useful, practical, gorgeous piece of interior art for your home. She has a boho laid-back style, preferring subtle tones over bold, coupled with geometric patterns, which truly transforms piece. What I really love about Ebony's work is her ability to make an amazing reel. I get drawn into watching her reels over and over. She has a way to capture all the interesting stuff and make it a fun video to watch. Having met Ebony personally, she truly deserves an accolade for her continued contribution to helping others in the art of furniture refinishing. Thank you and goodbye from Brisbane, Australia. Thanks, Linda, and accolades, Ebony. As we mentioned last month, some exciting changes have taken place with our monthly furniture finishing contest, the Zebra Review. We have moved away from the monthly themes to highlighting a monthly furniture category like buffets, hutches, nightstands, tables, and we are broadening the opportunity for refinishers to enter the appropriate category by allowing you to enter pieces all the way back to the beginning of the year. Last month's category was desks, and this month's focus will be chest cedar chest and blanket boxes that is and that of course is in celebration of the weather changes from warm to cooler days and that means for many of you bringing out the sweaters 
a few other changes we wanted to make you aware of. Each month, one of our four judges, Katie Cloud with Katie and Company, Katie Scott with Salvage by K. Scott, Lauren Schwachino with Portland Rose Studio, and Jen Talley with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture will be the featured judge. The featured judge will choose their favorites from the contest, and the remaining judges will select the first, second, and third place winners from those favorites. The featured judge will also join me on the podcast to interview the three winners each month. And this month's feature judge is Katie Scott. Okay, this is very important. In order to enter your refinished chest, you must use the hashtag ZebraChests. This will change each month, of course, depending on the category. One really cool element to this new direction is that you'll be able to peruse the specific hashtags for a specific style and be inspired. And we think that's kind of cool. A huge thank you to this month's sponsors, Sir Prep Sanding, The Lawless Hardware, Shecto Interiors Milk Paint, and Zebra Paintbrushes. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to any of the judges or send me an email. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebras Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode, along with information about today's guest, is also featured on enjoyzebra.com under the podcast tab at the bottom. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share them by sending your emails to me at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and happy refinishing. Happy refinishing.